Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm joined by Nathan Frankowski, director of The Devil Conspiracy. It's very cool to have you here. Cool to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, I saw it in the theater Friday the 13th, and I went in not really knowing much about it. And uh, I really loved it. I've been talking about it on social media. It's a really wild movie. But uh, for people who don't know yet, could you give them an idea of what the movie's about? Sure. Well, uh, the plot is that a, a group of Satanists um, steal the Shroud of Christ. And the presupposition there is that the Shroud of Christ or the Shroud of Turin does have the blood of Jesus on it. And so uh, the movie is taking that presupposition and they're using uh, the, the, the shroud to clone Jesus. So they're going to take the blood off of it and clone Jesus. The reason they want to do this is to kind of offer the child to Satan. And uh, without giving too much away, uh, Satan kind of needs that body to come back to earth. Yeah. And then I love the premise. It's really, I mean, it's a really crazy movie and it has a lot, so many things going on. Cause it kind of feels like a seventies kind of exploitation film at times, but then you've got big monsters and some cool action, great sets. Um, when you first saw the script, was it what you made? Like, uh, because it seems like a very ambitious film. Yeah, actually the script was a lot, uh, bigger, I would say and went off on some uh, tangents that, uh, you know, maybe would be a good series. Um, but uh, I knew the amount of money we had. And so I really had to um, work with the writer to hone it in and kind of, um, you know, slay some characters, um, kill your baby, so to speak, uh, in, in screenwriting language. And uh, what you see is a real trimmed, slimmed up version of of what was actually there and he had a number of uh, versions of the script um you know following different different characters that uh we, we just couldn't go down that avenue had you known him at all before ed allen from what i see it's his first imdb credit so i don't know if he's written things before yeah it is. it's his first movie he was kind of um a business guy i think he did um he's like a theology long time ago did uh, like a theology uh in university and um but he he watched a movie of mine which is to write love in arms which had some fantasy elements in it but it's not really it's like a it's like a an angsty teen drama um but he he liked it and he reached out to me and um i read his ideas that like you get some of these sometimes you get these calls or these these introductions and you don't know what's real and what's not real um but i i love the concept of it um, I was a little bit scared of the idea at first because uh, my background, I've always just done kind of real life. And so I was wondering how I could make the exorcist out of this, something that's right. more more realistic. And every time I went there, it just kept slamming its face against uh, my face. You know, the script, it doesn't want to be made like that. And you, you have to kind of take a script for what it's for what it is. And if you try to fight that, the script will end up kicking your ass. And so um, basically I, I said, you know, this thing is nutty and wacky. So let's go out there and let's just make a wacky, you know, kind of marvely um, 80s, uh, you know, kick-ass movie. I, th I think a movie that I would want to watch when I was 14 years old. Yeah, you know, no, I and, agree 100%. And, and fun. Yeah. yeah, I was in the theater watching it, and I was like, oh, this is really a fun movie. Yeah, And so I was. Uh, I try not to go on my phone during the movie, but I went a little bit and was telling people, <laughs> oh, you guys you should check this out. See it in the theater while you can. Yeah. So 
I, I don't think you're necessarily. Are you a horror movie guy? Because uh, you know, I don't see you've made like horror stuff. I haven't made horror stuff. I am a fan of the genre and especially the fantasy aspects and and the thriller. You know, I wouldn't. Marketing was kind of tough on this because it does uh, blend a few genres. Yeah, there are horror elements. Um, I don't think there's enough, and the premise is kind of, I guess, a horror, but. Uh, there's not enough scares, I think, to be a straight-up horror film. I think where we landed was fantasy, horror, sci-fi. You know, mm-hmm. with thriller, you could throw so much yeah. stuff in there. Well, um, like I like to go to festivals, and that's the thing I like about festival movies is they either they really don't fit in one genre, they're in multiple genres, and I know yeah. typically that's a hard sell for like a mainstream uh, movie. It is actually the the one festival that we went to was the BIFFF, which is the um brussels oh, international fantasy yeah. film festival i'm in massachusetts uh, i didn't go this year yeah i know that yeah oh, okay yeah it's a, it's a fantastic uh festival and that crowd is really um engaged into the movie so much so that they'll scream at the at what's happening they have little codes whenever a bird comes on screen they'll start you know crowing and stuff like that so it was fun to watch it with them you know when when in excess kicked on they started pounding their feet and clapping their hands so you could really tell what hit and what didn't with that audience mm-hmm. um and that's kind of who we made the the movie for is the people that want to go and enjoy a wacky ride it's like an amusement ride yeah and so was it a hard uh what was the process to get a theatrical release? Because it doesn't seem like a typical theatrical, uh, theatrically released movie. No, it's not. And um, we had to go the independent route and the producer, um, you know, we went through a kind of our own booking process. And I think the theaters now are a little bit easier because, um, because of terrifying what happened too. with COVID. Oh, what's okay. that? I, I was going to say, I think uh, also since the success of Terrifier 2, it seems like oh, yeah, exactly, more yeah. independent uh, horror films getting a shot. Yeah. And so if you can, um, you know, we had a great uh, film uh, distributor who would call the theaters, you know, and, and make the bookings. And, um, you know, if you got the, the upfront money, which wasn't much, um, you can take a chance and roll with it. And as long as it does well, they'll keep it in. And so you'll see uh, next week, um, you know, they'll take some screens off that didn't do well. But when you're performing, they play it. So, yeah, I saw it at the AMC in Boston. And uh, even though it's a chain, they're really good at showing a lot of like us weirder, more independent movies and um, and a lot of foreign stuff. Uh, they show a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's a good film to see on the big screen. Um, for one, it's it's actually pretty dark. I, I did read some comments; people did complain about that, but that's not a technical issue. That's actually how we planned for the movie to look. Uh, we pushed the boundaries with darkness, and uh, the DP Milan, he, he's a fantastic. Uh, he's we, he's a native of Prague, where we filmed, and um, he shot the hell out of this film and really took some risks. Uh, with how dark to go and uh, it is a dark movie dark premise and so i think we push the boundaries but it is intentional uh the exposure levels that you're seeing there yeah and also i would think there's a lot of taboo subjects that might uh, be hard to, mm-hmm. to get in certain theaters was that an issue at festivals or at uh different areas in the country um not necessarily i do see that there's a few protests but i think if someone intellectually watched the film i don't necessarily think it's anti-religion or or any of that you know it it, it actually takes the um the presupposition that jesus is who he says he is and the shroud is what it is so um you know it kind of kind of is on the same page uh it's not a 
it's not taken directly from the Bible. Obviously, we have some free reign with what we do, but it doesn't, I would say, I don't say it goes against the Bible in any way. Yeah. No, and I always like in a movie, if you have the devil or some type of evil power, there should be good or else I don't think it necessarily, you know, it doesn't make sense that there'd be one without the other. That's right. And I think if your good guy has some badass to him, though, it helps. Yeah. And that's how we wanted to show uh, Michael the uh, Archangel. And he said about uh, like a, an 80s movie that you would have liked to see when we were 14. And so there is some CG uh, stuff in the movie. There's also a lot of very uh, fun practical effects, like guys in big monster suits that uh, I'm a big yeah. fan of. And uh, what was that like to work with? I don't know. That's I assume that's not something you've ever like uh, directed before. No, but um, I'm always a fan of practical uh, effects whenever I can. I'll always choose those. And, um, you know, the first film I did that was heavily, had had some heavy VFX. The VFX supervisor said, you know, never use VFX as your main course. It should be something that spices, you know, the meat, so to speak. And so I've always used it as something to supplement with. And um, the original intent was to have a lot more VFX in this. But I, I told the producer, I said, you know, the scene where they go down in the cage and there's like, we call them the hell zombies. They leap on the cage. That was all supposed to be this kind of mystical demon, uh, you know, VFX things. And I said, let's, I, I don't want actors to be reacting to tennis balls. You know, I think we can pull this off by having physical um, interactions and you'll see that they'll actually grab the girls and pull them against the cage. That's the kind of stuff I wanted to see. And, um, and the producer was was gung ho, and he actually found an awesome uh, group out of England called Millennium Effects, and they did the, the which who we're calling the Beast of the Ground. They did him, they did um, Lucifer's outfit, they did the Hell Zombies, um, and they did uh, the the slaughter scene. They did a lot of those gags that you see, um, and so I love to see what I can get in camera. It just it it helps the actors. It helps the whole process. And I know, so, and, and especially when you're an independent filmmaker, some of the stuff that's promised to be there in post for visual effects disappears and you can't really get what you wanted. Um, Hell was like that as well. They wanted me to shoot on a green screen in a studio. Um, Prague is a very busy place to shoot. Uh, lots of stuff happens. A lot of films happening and there wasn't a lot of stages open. So they would take me to like hockey rinks in these places to kind of uh, see if I could shoot there. It would have been easier on production to shoot in a stage, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to be limited um, to a green screen and I wanted to see some depth. Um, and so we relied on um, some paintings of uh, Dore, who painted some images from um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Paradise Lost. And a lot of them are like cold and mountainous cliffs and uh, that's where we drew inspiration from and our um, production designer took me out to a rock quarry and i was like this is it this is this is what we're going to do and some majority stuff you see in hell is practical you know they built kind of the throne area where lucifer hangs out um and then some of the uh past the cliffs uh they they built on but all that stuff is real it's in a rock quarry that great expanse is is what's there uh we could only shoot it at night um, and we only had eight hours of night because we we're shooting in June in Prague. And that was like not much. And if it rained, we'd be screwed. So we really took a risk with it, but uh, the risk did pay off. Yeah. It looks great. And I, I always think um, even if, even if you can't pinpoint why I think uh, a lot of see a lot of virtual stuff, you could, your eye like tells like the weight's not there and, and they're just exactly. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. And uh, we did have practical effects down there. You know, I wanted hell to have uh, its own weather, you know, be very cold. So we had these giant fans, um, like turbines just blowing smoke and wind. Um, it did make the uh, capturing of the audio a little difficult, but uh, we just ADR'd that stuff. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned uh, the beast, the beast um, of the ground. Yeah. And so I talked to him uh, a little. I haven't had him on the show yet, but I talked to him about coming on the show. Spencer. Uh, Spencer. And, yeah, uh, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he seems very cool. But he did. He has a question for you. He he said, "When can he see the movie in England?" I just sent him a screener, so he'll be oh, able sweet. to uh, check it out. Yeah, but um, so the foreign, I think it only got theatrical in a couple places, foreign wide. I, I think South America and Philippines for some reason. Um, but it will be, I think, in like three months. Um, it'll be available everywhere for digital, and then. Um, probably find a streamer somewhere, but the yeah. same, same in America, I think our window. So when you go theatrical, you make a deal with the theaters and I think ours is a 30 day window maybe. So when it's out of theaters, you wait 30 days and then you can release it. Uh, how about, so casting some of the, the main characters, uh, uh, Alice for Laura, she, she's, you know, great as the her- heroine of the movie. Um, what made her right for that? Well, it was a big ask for uh, for an actress, um, what she has to do. And typically she doesn't fit the bill of like a um, the horror genre, you know, from what she's done anyways, from her work. You know, she's kind of a prim and proper English lady, um, looks more royalty. Um, but when I talked to her, there was a maturity there. And I thought if Laura had a little bit of age to her, you know, typical horror genre, they have like a 19 to 22 year old. A lot of the panty slashers have that too. You know, they want to have a you know these young women that they can go use and abuse. But we wanted someone smart, um, and also the tables do turn, and she becomes uh, more powerful as the, the the devil child within her grows, and then she is asked to almost uh, you know become possessed in a sense. But it's also a war because she's not totally possessed. It's the child within her that's possessed, that's controlling her. If you talk to any pregnant woman, they can definitely relate to this where the child kind of has a life of its own and starts to uh, beckon the mother to uh, take on certain tasks that uh, the mother might not want to do. And so I guess it's a pretty extreme metaphor for pregnancy. But um when I talked to her, that was the main concern is can she go there in this scene where she has to kind of evoke the the devil and she she just brought up some imagery and things that she would play with and she mentioned that um going for like a masculine crocodile and and you know in acting class she said she they would do these things where they would act out animals and she was relying on that and there's just key words that when i talked to her i was like yeah that's probably it and everyone was kind of like are you sure about this and i'm like yeah i know she can do this and that was that scene um in the closet the bleach scene got um, that was shooting on day two or three, which is, you know, you typically you want to warm up to stuff like that. And it was shooting at the end of the day. And I only had um, like two or three takes to get this. And so she really went, it's almost like a three minute take because I didn't have time to cut. I just had to keep going. And she just did her thing. And after the first take, the the DP who was at cam hopping of that, we had two cameras. So he was cam hopping one. He just looked at me. He's like, I got shivers, you know, because he was stuck in the room with her yeah. while she manifested. And so uh, that was a that was a, not necessarily a risk. I think if you know her, you know, she's a fantastic actress, but uh, it was um, a paid off risk, I guess. 
And, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big character arc, you know, to play different levels of the of the same character throughout the movie. So you need a strong act. Yeah. And then in the end, you see her makeup. I mean, that was kind of like an eight hour process to get her through all that. Um, so she was a trooper there for sure. So is that a different team that does the uh, the different effects, like the makeup, as opposed to people who do like the monster stuff? Or? Oh, yeah, it is two different. So, yeah, Millennium did do that as well. They did. Uh, they came out. But they kind of have to work together. So they would come out on set, um, and then they would work with our, with our makeup team who would kind of enhance some of the veins and things like that. And uh, had you ever really worked with, like, a lot of makeup-like effects, you know, as a director? Um. I've done some effects like um, cutting and things like that, but never a heavy prosthetics. You know, I've done wigs, but nothing, nothing like this. This was, this was uh, a dream come true. It was a fun playground to be able to have. And Millennium, you know, you show, we did some concept art. We had an artist named um, Anthony Jones and he does, can look him up, just type in his name. He does like awesome concept stuff. And so he would, we would throw kind of words at him, you know, for the beast of the ground, we said, you know, um someone who lives deep in the ground and i think i might have thrown a pyramid head at him uh from silent hill you know and maybe that's where the elongated uh legs come from but uh you, you give him a few keywords and he just creates you know five or six things that you really get to choose from so um i was lucky to be surrounded by by brilliant people like that and then millennium takes it and says okay this is how someone's gonna have to be able to move in it so what Anthony drew up, some things wouldn't work because he'd be banging in the walls and stuff like that. So they would have to make it a practical thing that someone can move and run. And Spencer, you know, he's a beast of a man himself. I think he's like six six. Yeah. But he just took the persona of the beast and he's jumping around, he's slamming, and he couldn't really see much. And so when he was in one of our first scenes, he's like walking in the walls, and I'm just like, oh no. But he he got the hang of it, like through some of the holes he could see, and then he really started to embrace um, the the beast. But yeah. that was that it was a fun fun thing to be able to play with. Yeah, um, Eveline Hall as as Liz, I think she's perfect as one of the <clears throat> like the main villain. So uh, yeah. how did you find her? Because I can't really imagine someone else really playing the role. No, I know. And it's crazy. So she's not really an actress. She is an actress now, but this was kind of her first role. Um, she's a model, a singer. She was a Vegas showgirl back in the day. Yeah. Um, she's a German national, you know, but speaks French, um, lives in Germany. And my producer was um, looking up attractive, powerful women. And it sounds like a dirty search, but he was looking <laughs> on YouTube for this. And one of her music videos popped up and he's like, oh, Nathan, you got to see this. So he sends me her video and it was just like, this is dynamite. She looked like a wolf, you know, her white hair and it's just like blown back. And she's she's got this deep baritone voice when she sings. It's just commanding. And so we're like, oh, man, I hope she is, uh, you know, consider acting. And then she's in her 70s, but she looks fantastic. She's in great shape. Um, and she was ecstatic when we sent her the script. She loves just wacky, crazy stuff. And so, uh, we just did one little read over, uh, Zoom and I was like, yeah, I can work with that. Her main thing is that when she comes into a scene, she's at a hundred miles an hour right off the bat. So we just, I just had to bring her down, uh, to a level, which is great to start there. Um, and so, you know, she would just go for it. And, uh, some of the actors, if she's inside a kind of a scene where she's getting physical, she would just go for it. 
Um, she has to hold a baby and we were scared that if she's, you know, so we had to take the real baby and give her a fake one some, because we didn't want her shaking this real child because right. she gets really into the scenes. <laughs> she has like so much presence when she comes on screen. Uh, it's just, the, yeah. And when she does the physical stuff, you know, she's not a uh, really young lady, but it's very believable. Like when she kicks in the door and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, she's in her seventies, but she's, uh, she's in great shape. You know, she still works out. She swears by doing weights and all these, and it's all, you know, this, this shoot was pretty grueling for the actors because a lot of it took place at night, you know? So she's, you know, she's showing up at set at like 5 PM and going home at, you know, five in the morning. And she was, you know, she's there, she's a trooper. So that's kind of what I was looking for too, is mature enough actors that will be able to uh, respect the process and, um, and be able to be fun. You know, this was a very fun, lively set. We had a blast. Um, and hopefully that comes through in the film. Yeah. Does that add to the, uh, the, the fun when you have like really cool locations to film at? Cause everything. Oh, does big time. Really yeah. Uh, and uh, we could have done this movie if I don't think if, if, if we didn't film in, in the Czech Republic, Prague just offered such uh, fantastic scenery and old castles um that you know you can get you know if that was in america it'd be you know protected and you know unable to or you'd have to spend tens of thousands where in in prague it's you know you definitely go in and respect every piece of this um artistic place but they film in there all the time and so uh and they're, they're great i mean that one little church that's on the cliff i mean that's that's all there we didn't build that at all yeah. So that's like stuck right on the side of a cliff when you brought up uh, exorcist earlier like um i always like like ex i love exorcist and like cult movies and stuff but usually you only see a little bit of hint of like the demons or hell or anything yeah. but i really like that that your movie really goes into that and you see a lot of uh you know the crazy elements of hell and and the monsters demons whatever you want to call them yeah, so like when I first read the script, I was trying to go more Hitchcock with it, where it's it's just off camera, and that is a mechanism I use to be able to help um, with budget. But this film needed to see it, and uh, the opening scene is you know Michael chaining up Lucifer, and so um, that was a tough thing too with Hell. There's not a lot of film reference for hell uh, and if they do go there, they don't spend any time there. Mm -hmm. um, Constantine had Hell. And what dreams may come, I think, are the and I've I looked in a lot of places. Some just go in there in flashes, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, there wasn't a lot of film research to do on how to pull off hell, and so uh, that was kind of the first tough uh, obstacle to come over. But you know, our production designer. So, what do you do for that? Do you like look at old like uh, like art or? Yeah, it was mainly artwork that got us there. Because you know, do you go to the fire and brimstone pitchfork devil? Just kind of um it comes off what kind you'd of expect. Like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does come off a little hokey. And so once we saw these uh Gustav Dory paintings based on Paradise Lost, we're like, that is that that's it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a cold hell. It's more of a, you know, internal hell rather than, you know. What's well, interesting because in like the Hellraiser movies, oh, you you think because it's uh, hell, there'd be a lot of red, but really like all the Cenobites That's are true, blue because yeah. I think it kind of represents like death and um, the lack of uh, life. Yeah, the separation from good, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, how, how, 
did you you said you got to see it with an audience so uh that, yes. that's the film festival um when you go before you like uh, go there what are you what are you expecting people are gonna uh you know think of it what's that experience like well it's on this was i had no idea uh typical on a film you do like uh pre-screening so you pay audiences to come and watch it and they give you all these kind of feedbacks uh and that's part of the marketing we didn't have money to do that um so all we relied on was um you know friends and family and they're typically you know they're never going to tell you shit you know they're right. just going to be like <laughs> yeah. oh it's nice you know yeah. you know my mom will tell me that she doesn't like it but that's about it um so we didn't know what to expect um and also it was playing the same time as the closing film so we're like oh man and i got the actors there i'm like there's no one in this theater it's going to be sad um but it was packed out there wasn't a seat available and um they got all the jokes you know it was for them you know um they got that it's over the top and can't be at moments and, and they they bought into that and had fun with it and so it was it was awesome for the actors to sit uh with them and hear them and uh a funny thing so at that festival i watched a few films before and every director that got up to talk the crowd would yell something uh, before the movie started and they would have to, then the directors would sing a song. And I just thought, I'm, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just weirded mm -hmm. out by it. Then before I get a, to introduce my film, the guy goes, Oh, by the way, if the audience yells out, um, uh, requesting, you have to sing a song. And I'm like, what? Sing a song. <laughs> He's like, yeah, everyone does it. Uh, I'm like, I, that's a lot. I don't want to say, I, 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 you know, I'm a horrible voice and to sing in front of a crowd would be ridiculous. So I just started, turning my head but liz or who plays liz evelyn she was there and i'm like oh, evelyn why don't you come on stage with me help introduce this film and anytime anyone even hints at a song she's just going to start belting out a song and so i was correct and as soon as he mentioned well she speaks french too so she heard the crowd yell out so she grabs the mic and just busts into a song i was i was relieved of my duty so i i got out uh scot-free from that one. Oh, that's awesome yeah that's it. You said that was Biff, right? Uh, Boston Independent Film Festival. No, no, it's Brussels. Oh, Brussels. I'm sorry. I thought I thought yeah, you yeah. meant because it's also it's also BIFF, which is uh, unusual. So yeah, I think uh, yeah that one has an extra F. Right. right. Fantastic film festival. Yeah, yeah. All right. But yeah. they're similar in that they're genre film festivals. I see. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, I just I bet you're, you're thrown off by the French crowd. Yeah, Boston. that's well. That's when I thought. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, I must have got that wrong to begin with. So yeah, I apologize the, the, the for the earlier comment. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, but it was. Uh, I don't like to make the interview of me, but so I had my um, first uh, feature film was finished last year, and we and we premiered it at Fright Fest in London. And, oh, cool! Uh, and during the and during the Q and A after the movie they scheduled a sneak preview of barbarian before it even came out oh so i was like oh everyone's gonna everyone's gonna leave the q a but at least they oh, were there they, for the movie yeah yeah i see so yeah they weren't they weren't doing it before in your theater they're doing it somewhere else yeah there's multiple theaters at that uh oh, gotcha at that festival because it's, it's very big but yeah yeah they reached out to us too i would have loved to have gone there but um the film just wasn't ready when they had reached out yeah yeah have you got to see it um, at a, a non-festival uh, crowd? Yeah, I've uh, watched it twice um, here in Florida, and uh, both times were fantastic. You know, it's kind of like each has its different um, audio levels and bass, and so you're kind of, you know, really in tune with how it's sounding and kind of like uh, you get a little bit edgy, like are there, there's a, how are the people in the audience, you know, but as soon as it settles in and people start 
uh, reacting to what they're seeing, it, it feels better. Yeah. And I'm going yeah. tonight, actually. Oh, cool. I used to like have the theory that uh, a film festival audience is going to be completely different than a mainstream audience. And they probably are to degree, but I've been seeing more and more, you know, films that I saw at a film festival play theatrically over the last year. And uh, overall, they seem to do really well. So I don't know. Maybe that's uh, I think people think a mainstream audience is completely different than like the film uh, festival audience. But I think a lot of people are into these weird, crazy horror yeah, and I think if if a mainstream audience can mix with a festival, it almost gives them permission uh, to react a, a certain way. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's it would be great to have um, kind of sprinkle festival people throughout uh, the mainstream just to let these people know that they can enjoy or laugh at this certain part. That's interesting. My friend Annabelle actually said the same thing recently. Um, that you know, a lot of people don't think it's okay to laugh at, at these horror movies, but then you go to something weird and other people are laughing and enjoying it, then you they realize, oh, it's okay. I'm not a, I'm yeah, not exactly. a weirdo. Or there's <laughs> other weirdos, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Other weirdos like me. Yeah. So uh maybe it's too early, but where do where does uh the devil profit uh, the devil um conspiracy go after the um the theaters? Uh so it'll go to I think all the digital you know, iTunes, uh, Amazon, and uh, Vudu, all the places where you can um, buy it for rent um, or buy the film itself. And then I think they find a streamer after that. So there's like revenue streams. The first is theatrical, then your digital, then your streamer and TV, I think, after that. Yeah. Any plans for physical? I know that's a, that's a, I think a certain movies do well, uh, physical release. If you, and you have to have a lot of like, I think bonuses on it. Oh yeah. I don't think so. I mean, uh, the producer was talking about DVDs. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know where you even buy them now. I mean, just in the line <laughs> in Walmart, I guess, in the, uh, <laughs> the bargain bins and then on, uh, Amazon. Um, I, it would be cool. I, I mean, what was really I miss out is the uh, director's commentary. I used to love those. I I and, agree hundred percent. I bring that up a lot. Yeah. That was a big selling point for me to buy a, a Blu-ray or DVD, and a lot of them just don't have them anymore. So, um, I'm guilty of you know just watching stuff on streaming at home. I would prefer to watch everything in the theater when possible. But uh, yeah, the I and um a lot of filmmakers I know who didn't go to film school tell me that they like learn how to make a film listening to a commentary or listen at least. At oh, home. I bet yeah. And they're also entertaining. I, some of the movies, like I don't even really like the movie, but I would buy because it, it had commentary from someone that I like to listen to. Yeah, or just wondering how they did a certain scene. You know, I would I wait for them to get there and have them spill the secrets. Yeah. It is a little film school experience. Yeah. Yeah. And then I always liked that some of them would have multiple uh, um, commentary tracks and be like, oh, wow, I could watch this movie like three or four times. That's right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a totally different experience. Uh, I also have to mention uh, Brian. Uh, I don't know his last says last name. Caspe as a yeah, doctor. Casp. Another uh, really great role. He's he seems to be really having fun playing the very evil doctor. Yes, yeah, and um, so he he's a local in Prague. He's American, but he lives over there. So he was one of the the we got lucky to kind of find because he needed to be either English or, or American, and it helped the budget that we didn't have to fly someone over there. Um, but his look was great. Um, I, I loved when, um, there's such disgusting and horrible things going on. And yet he's looking on it. Like it's something beautiful. <laughs> and I told him when he's watching the girls and the, and the beast comes out that imagine your daughter's about to get married, you know, and that's, 
kind of use that as your uh, your inspiration. And you can see it in his face. I, I just love the juxtaposition of what's happening down below and, and those two up there watching. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's <laughs> it, almost it uh, love, like Lovecraft or something when people are, you know, wanting the end of the world to come and they're like rejoicing yeah. in it. Yeah, Most it totally pulls it off. And I, I loved it. So I was a really big fan of the movie, not just because I have you on, but I really enjoyed it and reach out to see if you'd come to the show and hope people uh, go and check it out. The Devil Cool. Well, I'm glad you have me. And um, hopefully you can talk to uh, some of the actors. Get yeah, Spencer I reach out on. He's to great. Him, so uh, hopefully I can get some of them on. Yeah. And Evelyn, she's fantastic. Yeah. That was uh, the first uh, person I reached out to because I think she's amazing in the movie. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Enjoy talking. Yeah, to I'm, I, I did not know she's a um, a musician, so I'm gonna actually go check out some of her uh, songs. Oh yeah, just type her in Evelyn Hall on uh, YouTube, and I think you'll see. There's one that's kind of shot in black and white, and she's like on some looks like Scottish countryside or something um, with uh, all, like rocks and ocean. But that's yeah. kind of what uh, that's what made us go after her. Yeah, yeah, and it's very early. We're in January, but I, I keep a list so I can remember. At the uh the the next year, what up movies I like? Because so far that's in my list of uh favorite. Oh, movies. perfect! Yeah, I know we're only part way through January, but but sixteen yeah, days in or eighteen yeah. days in. Yeah. And um, where can people follow you or the movie to see uh you know where it goes? Um, well the the, the website for the movie is devilconspiracy.com. We drop the for the uh for the website, and then me, I'm just on Instagram. I don't do much social. Just just kind of my my films will be on there, but yeah. And uh, you working on anything currently? Um, I got a couple of things actually. Um, a little bit of downtime, so I started writing a script, which is kind of in this same genre, which is uh, demons and angels. But oh, uh, this one's about a fallen angel um, who's trying to uh, earn his graces back into the the fold, and he's tasked with a job that could possibly get him back into the the fold. Oh, that's very interesting. I'm looking forward to And I just want to mention, too, you mentioned a couple times about, you know, having the budget to pull off certain things. But uh, watching it, it, everything looks great. It really, I think it probably looks like a bigger movie than maybe it is. Yeah, it was. Um, I think in Prague, the spend we had was between three, five and four million. I don't know where it landed because of the incentive. And then um, the original VFX budget uh, was two million and we couldn't afford that. So with a great VFX supervisor named Lee Stringer who works in Asia. He's an English guy who works in Asia, does a lot of Netflix Asia stuff between three houses, one in Finland, one in Singapore and one in New Mexico. They were able to get it done for 700,000. So yeah, that's kind of where we landed with the numbers. Yeah. And I, I really recommend it. I love the, I love everything about the cult stuff, the wild monsters. So it really worked for me. Perfect. All right. Thanks for doing this. All right, man. Yeah.
Hear the song.